y'all, this is John Quell Jones. This is Mike Strong with the Indianapolis Colts. Yo, it's your boy Buddy here. This is Jazz the Kid Chisholm. Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. And you are logged into 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. You're logged in with 10th Year Seniors. You dig? Welcome to the 10th Year Seniors Podcast Network. This is a very special edition of Conversations. We have the brainchild of iElite Sports Academy in the building. We got co-founders Jerron Sands and Albert Cartwright. We also got Avard Hart, member of the executive team. And this is, I guess you would say, the organization that has put through the top talent that you've seen or heard of in baseball in the country over the recent years. Gents, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This is going to be a very long-winded conversation. Y'all got to stay with us. We are going to be bouncing from topic to topic. We're going to be talking prospects, going to be talking Bahamian baseball, going to be talking I-Elite. So let's start there with the academy. This is a time period where you guys are always moving over the course of the summer. Let the people know why this is important for these young prospects to have these summer months for them to travel, get exposure, and what it does, not just for them, but for the growth of the program. Yeah, so it's all it's all about exposure and getting the kids out there um, to face the world, um, to give them opportunities to be successful in baseball. And I-Elite starts it off at a, at a pretty early age um, so we could get the ball rolling. Um, the business side of baseball, when we talk about professional guys wanting to sign pro, um, usually starts off from 11 or 12. So I-Elite usually takes, takes their kids, full-time kids, over to the States um, to be able to get one personal training and to get more games. That sounds like a radical idea, I think, to the average Bahamian parent when you say the process of becoming a pro starts at 11 or 12. Let's get deeper into that. Like, how would you how would you explain that to them? How do you convey that message that you may not be thinking about this now? Average Bahamian parent thinking my child is an 11-year-old, they coming home watching TV, they going on game, they just hanging out with their friends. But at that age, we're thinking about pro baseball. How, do, how does that message connect? Um, it, it was real tough. Um, 2012, when we started, it was, it, it almost was game-changing, like a new invention um, to try to convince parents to take, take kids out of school and try to convince parents who go to SAC to take them out of SAC to come to um, the academy. Um, I know but, about that personally. <laughs> but nowadays, um, it's, it's a little... It's a little getting to be the norm, um, and it's 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 just having a conversation with them about about baseball and giving them all the information they need to make make a decision on their child. Because at the end of the day, a parent is trying to put their child in a good position to succeed in life later on down the road. So it's just having a a, a conversation where you're just giving them information and letting them make a decision. Evard, uh, I think you are uniquely equipped to answer this question because. You were one of the members in the first class, I think. And so for you, what were your thoughts and your mindset when... Because I, I assume you had to sell this to your parents. You had to let them know this was something that you wanted to do. But what was your <laughs> mindset then as a young kid? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, to this day, I'm kind of surprised. My parents actually allowed me to go. But um, it was a journey. I mean, I'm glad that I was given this opportunity you know, to get in the, uh, the organization during that time at 12 years old and be able to play baseball every day. I mean, getting going on that field every day after school was amazing, bro. I mean, being with the guys now, most of those guys who are in my class have signed and are still succeeding. Um, but 
my parents, you know, gave me the opportunity. Um, like you said, it's, it's a it's a hard sell, but they were able to do it. Let's talk about the academy model now. What is it? You know, what what does that entail when you when parents come to you? Because that's usually what happens. I, we'll we we'll get to recruitment later. But when parents come to you and they say, "I want my child to be a part of this program," I've seen the success that has happened so far. What do you explain to them about the academy model? Um, first thing I say is different. Is <clears throat> a lot of um sacrifice uh that's that's one of the main things just being able to sacrifice every day um dropping your kid picking him up um making sure they're eating on time have enough water um you know whatever it is they're doing be be uh 100 in on it um dedicated to it um and if you're not ready to do that then it probably won't work for you right so i and i think it's important for people to know that I mean, this is just like any other school because a lot of Bahamian parents. So like I say, if we're talking about baseball, I think the what people in the Caribbean usually think of, you think of the Dominican Republic, right? You think of the model that they have there. But I think more of that culture is all in with baseball and nothing else. Nothing else. Most Bahamian parents, you know, the education is going to be the top part of the priority. So what about the educational aspects of I Elite and how are students able to still stay on that path while chasing baseball? Sometimes I think the educational side is tougher than the baseball side. I, you know, um, you know, having Miss Arlene Major there, uh, a person who's been in education in the Bahamas for the past 50 years, uh, she's being honored uh, this year for that, actually. So have someone like her on, on your team who's seeing kids year after year and you know, know how to react to kids, help kids, whatever, uh, in school and recognize things at home. You know, to have something like that on your side is, is a plus. It's, it's major. Um, and with us only having a certain amount of kids in school, um, I think it gives a focus. You know, we have a focus on these kids and these kids only. Um, so, you know, they do the regular, they do regular class. They go to class, they do math, they do English. Um, they have to study, they have tests, um, they have deadlines, um, they have goals that they have to meet. Um, so from the educational side, it's, it's sometimes I think it's tougher on the, on the kids because, you know, you come from practice in the morning and you have to go to school and you have to focus and you have to get these grades um, in order to get back on the field. And, you know, so it's, it's tough. It's a, it's a commitment um, for the parents again. And, and from the, just as much from the baseball side, on the educational side, is a commitment for the parents because, you know, you have to be there to, you know, make sure your kid is doing their work. Um, you have to be on top of them as well as home just as much as, as we are in them in school or on the baseball field. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. I'll speak from my perspective. Full disclosure, my son yeah. is a part <laughs> of the program. So I was one of those parents that had a lot of these concerns. And mm-hmm. so I felt like I had to see him in traditional school his first year of high school. So right. grade seven, I was like, you're going to go to school and then we'll reevaluate right. it after that. And now he's in the program full time. So give us an idea of what a day in Elite looks like for the full time uh, um, students. When does it start? How does the whole day play out? Um, basically, I would assume they're up uh, maybe 5.30, 5.45 in the morning to be the practice where there's six early morning practice, six, 6.30, um, whatever they're doing that morning. Um, after practice, you know, you have to go to school, you have school classes until about one thirty, one o'clock, sorry. Um, and then you have practice again. 
Um, after that, or you have maybe a gym, or and then on on the weekends, you know, we do a strength and conditioning program there as well. Um, so it's almost about six days a week where these guys are going hard uh, every day. So you know the nutrition and and the water and the small things that we take for granted um, in our regular day lives is, plays a very very key role in with these kids. Now both of you guys came up through the sport of baseball. It got mm-hmm. you the careers at where mm-hmm. you are now. Baseball is your life full time, mm-hmm. so you know what it takes to get to this level or get to the level that a lot of these kids are trying to get to. Tell us about the history of this program and why you felt that it was necessary to even introduce it to the country because your generation didn't have this. The generations before didn't have this. What made you guys say, this is the time we'll take our experiences and bring this revolutionary new thing to the Bahamas? I, I think I think it was a couple of different reasons and ideas. Um, I don't think it was just one sole reason why we did this. Um, because what, what Albert might think would be a little different. Um, than so we can hear from him. He ain't going right? slide on this one. Well, for me, you know, for me, uh, I'll, I'll tell you that. Like, you know, um, coming up as a kid in the Bahamas, didn't know much about international baseball. Um, it was maybe during my time, it was one kid, one guy that was signed internationally. At the time, didn't really understand what it, what it was. Um, his name, Jamal Johnson. Uh, he signed with the Dodgers. Um, good friend of mine, and you know he he went, but I think Jamal didn't last. I, he didn't stay very long uh, for whatever reason. Uh, that's another thing, but that was the only thing that I saw. You know, the thing that we saw back then was you know you have to go to school, um, have to go to college. Yes, and I understand why because you know the education aspect of it is very important. But back then we had no idea of all of this and. You know, it has its benefits and major benefits as well um, from from being a professional at a young age. And, you know, me coming up, I would see guys my age in the major leagues. And I'm like, how this happened? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, how this happening? Like, y'all in college? Like, what, what going on? You know, so, you know, when start having conversation with friends and doing research and all these things, and you start to realize, like, Kind of 16. And so you kind of like put stuff together, you know, with Jamal and conversations you might have heard of back in the day. And you put it all together now and you're seeing it and you're at an age where you could comprehend and kind of like figure this out. Um, and for me, it was like, oh, why we can't do that? Mm-hmm. Like we could do that. Like if they could do that, we could do that. So with the friends at the time, uh, we basically was like, hey, let's start an academy let's start training the guys you know we had four key roles of it where you over here let's you make sure this happened you make sure that happened we make sure this happened blah 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 um and we started the academy like we went out we were we were very big in the baseball community here uh locally um people trust us as far as training kids um the school part you know that was the toughest part but we was able to to get that done as well. Um, and we just started it. Like, literally, we went out and we say, hey, who's the guys on your team? Let's get the best guys that we have and let's start training, right? And hopefully get, at the age of 16, where they're good enough to play professional baseball. Right. Uh, so I want to hear some stories from the early days because, 
I mean, I think everybody knows this started out where all of you guys were a part of mm-hmm. Max T. Yes. And then you there was a splinter. <laughs> I Elite became its own separate entity, which we're going to get to a part of that later. But the mm-hmm. early days when you first started to sell this product to people, you put it out there that this is a school. Let's think about it, Vaughn, mm-hmm. and that particular class. Mm-hmm. What was that first year like? Um, to be honest, that that it it wasn't we, we had I remember us we had like a big open house. We had like a big open house to explain what we wanted to do. We invited we invited parents that, you know, we, we wanted to be a part of this program. And, you know, we had this big open house and we you know, we was up there presenting to these parents why they should have their kids come to us, right? Leave SAC and, and all these other schools to come to our school, like our academy, right? Um, at the time, it was Leadership Academy. Why mm-hmm. should we leave SAC to come to Leadership Academy, right? And that was the, you know, it wasn't, honestly and truly, it wasn't that hard, right? Because I think parents was looking, parents are always looking for an outlet to help their kids, to better their kids through the sport, right? Through baseball or through sports, where they're thinking scholarship. And, you know, I don't think they were quite thinking professional at the time, or my kid could be a professional. I think it was more on the college side where, or they could get my kid a scholarship maybe, right? Um, and I think as time went on and, and the pro thing actually happened, then I actually thought it became a reality for most people, right? But um, parents, so back back to what I was saying, it was like we had, we had this big thing where we invited these parents and we kind of like convinced them. And I think we did a good job. I want to say about 90 or 95% of the parents actually uh, became a part of it, right? Yeah. And I don't think it was a it was a hard time because we had a we had a full full out program right away, right? Yeah. Um, we had all the best kids in the Bahamas, and I just remember us, man. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, the guys enjoyed it. The guys got along very well. Evados got along well. I mean, you thinking back on it, in the first class it was the Evads, it was Jazz, Blue Fox, it was. Uh, T. Thomas, uh, Deshaun Knowles, Devon Knowles, DJ Corley. All of them here in his pros. Yeah, it was these dudes. It's right? just pros. Just pros. Yeah. Dale Think Davis. Dale Davis. Davis. A lot of people know Dale Davis, the first dude sang. Yeah. Larry right? Altime. Yeah. Larry Altime, it was, uh, it, it was all the guys, right? Um, so, and when you look back at that and you look at it now, it's like, like you said, it's like pros, yeah, right. All pros at some level, right? And we miss Todd, Todd, and Anthony just just a little bit too old. They was older than those guys, so they kind of missed that as well. Um, they kind of missed that right at the tail end, but they caught a little bit of what was going on. Um, but if they was younger, they would have been right in there from that time with the rest of these guys, right? Um, so that that kind of showed us that hey, we could we could do this. Like, why we can't do this? Like. Why we can't have these kids in here um, at this time. But um, but anyway, the, the parents, and I know you asked for some stories, right? But I, I think back then, back then we were refresh at it. So we were trying to figure yeah. out the model of doing it. And you were still playing at the time, yes. right? So <laughs> the parents part aspect of it was, was nice and smooth sailing. And we had to convince parents and some parents came, some didn't. But when you, when you talk about the everyday practice, um, you were four guys that, Basically started the program and two guys that are gone half of the year. So he, he being kind of modest when he when he says smooth sailing because he had 
him and another guy had to take on all of the responsibility while we were <laughs> playing. Guy. So the only thing I get to do when I was gone is ask questions. Hey, everything's going good? Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't the one that actually in the trenches every day um, to see. Because when we came back early on, we were practicing, okay, we go away, we come home for a month, we go away. But at the end of the day, we still have to get ready to play. So a lot of hours was committed to me being the practice and practicing myself. So basically, I had a practice where he coaching everyone. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have to worry about myself. Um, and that went on, that went on for, for three years. Three years where they got a building when we came back. They have indoor cages and all the works and we taking all the credit, but... You ain't really do nothing. So I I remember this time period well because this when I was I was still at the Tribune, right? So I would be writing, I'd be hearing these stories, and I would say, this like this is amazing. Like being educated in the states, like you understand what a lot of this stuff is. So I know people there are doing that. So I hear this come home, and I think this is a great idea. All right, full disclosure, we we ain't really said it yet, but Max D was started by these two guys, Anton Richardson and Greg Burris Jr. Yes. Those are the other guys that that we didn't mention yet, right? So there comes a time, like you said, y'all did that for three years, and then ILE becomes its own entity. We don't have to get into how it happened, but when <laughs> ILE becomes its own thing, independent of that program, what were some of the struggles in the early days of that? Because I guess that's kind of like resetting, right? Because yes. you've got to get back on your feet all over again. You've got to establish a completely different brand. What was that like? Yes. Um, you go. So, so during that time, I think, I think where we decided to go a different road is where we have, we have a plan to get where we need to go, but we have different ways that we think we need to get there. And I think the ILE model was, was a little different than than the other guys thought that we should do. Um, so we had to go a different direction. Um, and that direction maybe took us out of Nassau a little bit more than we, we would like to be. But we thought at that time that this would put the guys in the best position to succeed. Um, I think, Jerome, maybe you could add to that. No, hey, that's exactly what it was. I mean, it's it's we, we, we fell one way and it was... You feel one way, you feel another way. You go that way, I go this way. I mean, nothing, nothing harmful with that. Um, but for me, what I was gonna say was that when you said something about the transition and starting over, I mean, in 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 our world, right? Nothing really changed for us, like as far as what happened or rebranding, and now we have to rebrand our lead. It didn't. It wasn't really a problem for us because of the product and what we do on the field. And I mean, as individuals, as everybody in our team, the executive team, what we do on the field matters um, to most of these teams. And, and just from a business aspect of it, um, you know, when you see these guys in the major leagues, you see you see Nassau, Bahamas, next to Josh Chisholm, right? You don't see Max D, ILE, none of that stuff. You see Nassau, Bahamas. So it's more, you know, it's just here we look at it as a Nassau, I mean, as an ILE, Max D kind of thing. But, from the big picture and the big perspective of it, it's more of a not, not more Bahamas thing. Um, so for me, it didn't really change the perspective of anything for me. It was just really here where we had like parents and 
haters and whatever you want to call them, like making the comparison and doing these different things. But yeah, you know, I mean, naturally with business, with competition, yeah. that's the kind of thing that'll happen, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so even from a journalist perspective, right? So I knew I was covering Max D one day because as usual, you'd be the one to hit yes. me up. You'd tell me come to a signing. And I think it was... It was Keithron and Devon, I think. Yes. And I popped up and I saw a completely different logo. Yes. And I was like, all right. So this ain't the same thing no more. So, all right. So we get there. I Elite is now its own brand. How do you get to the point where in your mindset, we need our own campus for the classroom part of things. We need to actually take this to the next level. Um, To be honest with you and, you know, I'll, I'll be frank and I'll be honest. Uh, I just thought that we had to take a, a lock on the control on the educational side of things for our boys. Uh, I know education was like one of the main, main, you know, uh, deal breakers for parents, right? So I'm like, this in business. I, I can't, I can't take the risk. That was a, because it's such a big part. I can't take the risk of somebody else messing that up to take away from the baseball side of things. So it kind of like, you know, we was with a few schools and it didn't work out for whatever reason. And the last school we were with, it kind of hit me and was like, y'all need to do your own school. And I was like, you know, and we, you know, we fight with it for a little while, whatever, whatever. And, you know, to be honest with you, the way it happened, it was like, it was like God, you know, it was like God just put this hair and everything kind of came together. And even everyone that actually work in our elite, you know, I think was brought us yeah. from from the mind above. Like, is is no, you know, we don't put up resumes and we don't do those things. Like, it's, it's it, it comes to us very naturally. Uh, so so. You know, um, because I th- I think there were one day where we was in Jerome's mom house trying to figure out the right uh, administrator to get, mm-hmm. and Miss Major just Miss Major popped up, like, I go. Was made She'd be perfect. Up. Yeah, she retired. She retired from Sinan's. Was she, and and one day I saw her. She's like, "Drew and I ready to go home yet? Like, I still want work." Yeah, it took like one conversation. And, and he was and it was, was like, rolling. And I, it actually, was, I actually remember this. this yeah, this is crazy. and it was like, and it was like, Miss Major, like, yes. And you know what? I could I could say it like this was July. I remember us having that conversation at somewhere and you was like, I have no idea what we're about I to do. I have no idea what we're about to do, but we're doing it. I say we school open in September, but we're doing it. But Miss Major came along in July and I expertise and, it was, you know, she was on board right away. Like, right away. She was like, why I wasn't doing this a long time ago? Like, this is what, and you see it today, the, the, she enjoys what she does every day yeah. with those boys. So, so and the school aspect to to have our own is is it's also key because our travel when you get when you get about fourteen mm-hmm. or fifty our travel is not scheduled Normal. planned planned out for the year so we need to be able to be able to move and adjust and have Zoom in the states or in the DR and make sure we still keep, uh, keeping up what we want to do and having kids graduate so that was that's also a big part of the reason why we thought. We should have our own school. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that, I mean, for the people that know, that's kind of typical, right? Because I, I had a friend who I went to school with that played tennis, and he was never in traditional school. Like, from the time he was, I think, this same age, 12 or 13, mm-hmm. he basically was doing the academy okay. model 
in the U.S. So mm-hmm. it's not as far-fetched as most people think it is. It just right, wasn't right. traditional yeah. for the Bahamas. So we mentioned some of the names earlier, some of the I-Elite alums that, mm-hmm. that became pros, but let's, let's, let's shed the spotlight on some of those guys right now. Of course, Jazz is the biggest name. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the superstar. But who else do we have that have passed through this program who you guys consider the I-Elite alum people need to know about? Um, firstly, Dale Davis. Like, like Dale Davis, I, I mentioned Dale. He was the first guy to actually sign a professional contract in this new era, I guess. Yeah, whatever yeah. You want, right? Because we, we do have to split it up to yeah. get to that yeah, point. Split it, right, right. And, and he was, you know, he signed uh, a few months before Jazz and Lucius did. I think it was, if they signed July, Dale might have signed May, April, yeah, somewhere around that time. Yeah, with Texas the, Rangers. Yeah, Texas Rangers. Yeah. Yep. Um, he graduated college and he came back and he, he you know, he was he was that good um, to be able to sign a professional contract. Um, now I think Dale is in the Navy, in the U.S. Navy. Yeah. Right. In the U.S. U.S. Navy. So um, I follow him on Instagram. Um, and then, so I mentioned him because he was the first, right? Obviously. Um, obviously, it was Jazz and Lucius. And then you got the big class. This is right. the one that kind of. Put everything yeah, on the map. Everyone with, was with, on but the that's, I mean, that's breaking the record, right? Breaking the record, uh, six plus million dollars uh, internationally was never heard of in anywhere in part of the world as a as an amateur player. Yeah, y'all cause all the rule changes. So not only that, right? Think about what happened in the Bahamas. The 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 pressure and the expectation that was just put on us. For these players, these baseball players. Yeah, because my son just as good as that. My son just six, as good as Six that. million dollars in line for him next, right? Right. So that's what I expected now. So yeah. it's like, hey, what? So that, that was kind of a whatever, right? And, you know, Lucius changed rules for that, you know. And obviously what I mean by that is that he changed the international market to now having budgets, setting budgets for teams. So they can't spend all that money on a player. Um, whether I agree with it or not, that's... It is what it is. Um, but yeah, Lucius Fox, uh, we had Larry, I'll see me in there, went to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, and then obviously after that, I think it was Tanaj, Tanaj Thomas, he went to the Cleveland Indians. A lot of folks don't know that, but he went to the Cleveland Indians as a pitcher, that's a pitcher. right? And, and that's a, that's, that's a really good view. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so, I, all, all of these, all of these signings, of course, they got the stories behind it. Tanaj, this, this his, one, his is exceptional. But Tanaj have a, his story is a little different, and I, and I know the part Abba can probably talk about. Well, I don't know, but his story, I'm a little bit go on with him. But I have like a lot, a lot on Tanaj. So, so, so you could see how personal Jerron is about to get with Tanaj because he put in. Countless of hours trying to make this guy a shortstop and to make this guy really get hit up. But he couldn't hit. So, so all these tournaments we're going to, all these showcases going on for years, and Tanaj is one of the guys that it took a little longer for, for, for it to sink in. So we got that time where the guys, the scouts are saying, oh, he might look good on the mound. And at the time, it's like, no, but uh, I ain't putting him on no more. I didn't know much ground ball. I didn't hit him. All right, cool. Now, I never seen him pitch before, so I have no input. I said, okay, the guy feels strongly about it. Let's stick with it. So we in the States, longer than we should be there. So now he just goes on his team for perfect game. Um, 
I think it was World War Bad, one of the big tournaments. Mm-hmm. And he gets on the mount, and the first pitch is like 91. I was like, boy, second pitch, 92. And you just see the golf cart start to f- flock to the field. And I was like, whoa, maybe he might have a little different <laughs> input after the game. Second pitch, 93. And I'm like, boy. So after the game, we get like five or six invitations to go to dinner. And it's always a good time when you're taking a kid to dinner. Um, so we get to dinner. And Wait, how y'all choose who y'all can go to dinner with? Well, relationship, relationships and, and, and guys and who we worked with yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah and right. then then the business side, we got to figure out who has who, who talking, who, talking. Talk, who who having a real conversation, or if they just want to take us to dinner. You know, some guys just want to spend the money from the team, <laughs> buy get a free meal, take us to dinner, buy some drinks. Um, but as as we get to dinner, you know, it's always a good time when we be able to talk, have these conversations with these teams because, you know, the kid is really excited because this is what he wanted from 12. So we get to dinner, and the whole conversation is about pitching. And you could just see on Jerome's face, like, mother free is pitching? Like, I ain't committed to that just yet. <laughs> no. You got some more time, Coach. You got some more time. We could be in the States. And I'm like, Jerome, I ain't never see this dude get hit yet. We've been in the stage three, four years now. All he's doing is chopping balls off the plate. And we, we, ma, we, we fought that. We fought that for months. Months, months, months. But we get to a point where he said, you know what? You deal with it. You deal with it. If you feel like you'll be a pitcher, you convince him to be a pitcher. And I'm like, mother of Rias. Hold on. So, Tanaj wasn't even sold on being a pitcher. No. Tanaj, he definitely wasn't sold on being a pitcher. Even at that point, when he went on the mound and stunned everybody, he still was like shortstop. He wasn't sold. He wasn't sold at all. So I, I'm sitting there one night. I was like, dude, how could I'm a position player? I always been a position player. How are you convince a guy to be a pitcher? So I started to think back. I was like, you know what? I had a buddy that used to play for the Brewers, Sean Albury, from the Bahamas. We went to American Heritage together. Um, I said, you know what? Maybe I could let Sean. Call him because he also converted. Sean from did the a, same thing. Mm-hmm. He converted from a position player in college, turned into a pitcher, then got drafted. Um, he had a tough injury where he had to stop playing baseball, and he kind of just shut the whole baseball thing off. So I had him call, and at the end of the conversation, he was like, "You know what? AC, I think he could be no pitcher." <laughs> <with you." laughs> so a couple months go by, and and and. Conversations started to get more and more, and I and I feel like the position player talk was kind of out the window for everyone. And I think he's like, you know what, I could just give it a shot and see what it is. And then a couple months later, the guy was doing like 99. And I was like, damn. Might be the right move. Might, <laughs> might, might, might be. No, wait, hold on. Fast forward six. a couple of years later, now in double A with the uh-huh. Pittsburgh Pirates. So it might have been the right move. Hey, hold on. Right. I he got some hits. <laughs> <laughs> He had some hits. Defend your coaching. He was never every time he was every time he did Albert to the tournament, he don't hit. When so I never myself only seeing the bad times. When I never yeah. myself. Cause Tanash had like he had, a, he had some colleges on him. He had some big schools. He had schools on him. Right? He had schools on him. Um you know, he he, he had he a lot of people know Tanash was scheduled to go to go to high school. Tanash had signed in December. And Tanaj was supposed to go to high school in January. Yeah. He was actually going to high school at that tournament. I think he was just playing. 
but we already had him scheduled to go to high school. Yeah. Right? And and I'd, and like Alba said, what happened, you know, when it was, how we get on the mound, it was like they need someone to throw. And Tanaj, like, single over, signal over to me out the fence, like, to the arm, like, I was like, how you feel? He's like, I feel good. I was like, we'll go pitch. And it was one inning. Like, literally one inning. And that was enough. And that was enough. But before that, like, what I think a lot of folks don't know about Tanaj, like, him coming from Freeport at a very young age, him losing his mom at a very young age, um, we was actually in Panama. Yeah, we we, <laughs> we were in Panama where... Yeah, when that happened. We in the stands, mm-hmm. and we get a phone call, and shout out to Sydney as dad. He said, don't tell the him. guy is at a tournament now, you know, we don't want to tell him, let him... Finish the tournament. Finish the tournament, then come home after deal with it. So me and Jerome sitting up in the stands. I was like, Jerome, I don't know if I could hold that information for two days. Three days. For three days. <laughs> so we, we, we sit up there, we, we talk it over, and I like, you know what? We got to Let's just, let's just let's, let's wrap this up and let's go home. Let's, let's tell him what's going on. And from there, we made a decision to come home, and, mm-hmm. and his mom did pass away. That was, um, yeah, that was. And, I, and two days later, he was at the field. And I was like, why? Well, I guess go up to talk to him, I might start crying because yeah. I can look on his face. That's heavy. It's heavy stuff. And I kind of want to say, like, to Nas' mom, um, rest in peace, Mama Thomas, like, when we were at school, um, at the old building, his mom used to come to the school every day. Mm-hmm. She used to, like, talk to us every day. Sometimes we used to leave school. We can't even say this, but we, they don't know this. We used to leave school. Sasha, the limitations going. You yeah, can, yeah, we used to go leave school I mean, you, to you go work, see her. You work now. We, we used to leave school to go see her while she was doing a, you know, a treatment. So that during that time, during that situation, was heavy on all of us, I'll be honest. And like to find out that happened during that, the time he was showcasing or, or in the tournament, mm-hmm. it was crazy to have, to be honest, on my end. And I think this is what a lot of people don't see is each one of these guys has y'all. I'm sure y'all could go on with stories mm-hmm. like that for mm-hmm. every single one of these people that 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 Everyone. you've been producing through the program. There's a couple things I I wanted to get to in that before we get back to the list of alumni. I mentioned mm-hmm. Tanaj having to come over from Freeport, Freeport at a young age. That's something I think that's also very unique to I Elite is you branch out into the Bahamas. It's not just Nassau-centric. Like, so many of these guys have come from Grand Bahama. Mm-hmm. What was, um, you know, what would me, I guess it's obvious what made you guys reach out into that, but nobody else was doing it. How did that that networking come about? Um, Just us being in, like, baseball, you know, seeing seeing the kids, knowing what we about, having an idea of what we're looking for uh, with a baseball player, um, seeing them playing tournaments, whether it was nationals or just a regular tournament. You see these kids, yeah, you get attached to them as well. Um, because sometimes you end up coaching them as well. They join your team. Um, in Tanaj's case, I just remember seeing him. Like, he was the shortstop. In Freeport, he was the shortstop, the pitcher, and the hitter. Yeah. Right? He, gotcha. Yeah, he, he was doing everything. Yeah, so, like, yeah. that was obvious to me. Like, this dude is an athlete. I mean, if you see him, he's a great high jumper. A lot of people don't know he's a great high jumper. I think, you know, he's a great, I think he would have been a great four, 800-meter runner. Right? A lot of people don't know these things, how athletic he is. Right, um, but you know, just finding these kids in Grand Bahama, going back to that, uh, we have Brady from Eluthra as well. I wanted to say that Brady Senior is from Eluthra, but just 
giving everyone opportunity. Like we just want to find the best kids and get the best kids and give them opportunity to wherever their talents may take them, like let it happen. So let's get back to some more alumni in that mm-hmm. class with Tanaj. Who who would Tanaj would be in that? James Rule. Uh James Rule was in there. We had a kid. Cause you know they could listen to niggas say coach and wouldn't even call him or nothing know. like that. I know. You skip you got DJ. DJ I was yeah. getting the DJ. Yeah, you got DJ. And then you got Warren. Warren was slightly a little bit off. Yeah, James. Eh? Deshaun would have been in the Deshaun would have been in No, Deshaun was with Christian Robinson um, at that time. He's with Christian Robinson and. Yeah, it's just Deshaun and Christian Robinson. Every day after them, Devon and Keetron. Devon and Keetron. Yeah. Devon, uh, remember Devon was trying to go to the Yankees. Yeah. When he ended up going to the Yankees. Right. Um, who else? Uh, but but a lot of people don't know this kid, Hen- Henry. Thompson, right? And a little bit about Henry. He was a pitcher. He was a basketball player converted into a pitcher. When I met Henry, and I can you know I can move to it, but it was it was a very great story at the time. Henry, basketball college basketball player, came home in the Christmas. Uh, father saw a scout at the airport. Say my son can play baseball. Go see Jerron down in Pinewood. Father came to see me. I see everybody that come to me. Any kid, anyone to play baseball, I, I see. I at least see, right? Came to see, bring him out, uh, ask him questions. Look at what really made me I kind of pay attention to him is when I saw his uh, photo and his status, right? It was him dunking a basketball, but he was looking in the rim. It's like, hold up. But like literally looking in it yeah. about to dunk it. So that's how high he was up there. So I was like, dude, let it. Right, but he was nineteen. So I was like, oh. So anyway, came to the park, start throwing. Literally playing catch. I say, go just play catch on the side. Let me just play catch. I start hearing the glove. I was like, hold up. Hey, go play catch on the sideline now. Like go in left field and play catch there. Hey, when last you throw a baseball, boy. but I, I coach, I ain't throw from I was like sixteen. What you been doing all this time? Been playing basketball. Right? But I ain't going back to school. So I wanna do this baseball thing. Alright. And let's get on the mound, right? And I don't know where we got the radar gun from at that time or what it was. Or maybe not at that exact time we had the radar gun. But we had someone catch him and it was like You sure you don't play baseball? Like you sure you don't draw? No, I don't draw. Anyway, we ended up getting a radar gun or something from somewhere at the time. And it was like 92, 93. Like just natural 92, 93. I said, bro, you... I said, all right. Automatically in my mind, I got a plan. We go for three, four months, catch you in shape, put you in front of the scouting teams. And so sad, so done. And resigning with four or five months. That's a crazy story. Coming from... College. On summer break, if didn't go back to school for whatever reason, it wasn't for baseball, right? And coming to the park, and yeah, Henry left us like ninety three, ninety four. That's miles per hour, not the year. Just, yeah. just, just for miles per hour. So y'all, so y'all know what miles it is. Yeah, he left us, and and you know that's that's something there. So you had Henry in that time. You had uh, we talk about James Courtney Smith. 
uh, that's another story as far as determination and wanting, wanting and working. Um, DJ Corley went to the Dallas on the Diamondbacks at the time. Um, who else? Warren Saunders went to the New York Mets at that time. Warren, Warren is the next crazy story. Like, literally, literally, I was in Grand Bahama years ago. Warren Saunders was 13 or 13 maybe at this time. 12, 13, something around there. I went there to do a showcase. I don't know what I was... A showcase was whatever I was doing at the time. And before the showcase, the night before, they had softball. So I went to the softball park. Didn't know who Warren Sanders was. Went to the softball park with some of my friends from... Yeah, from Figo. I don't know exactly I was with. I might have been with Sydney. And I see this dude in shortstop. So it's like... And they said, who... Wee boys and why why this little boy playing shortstop in this in this man's game? He said, "What well, is booby?" Like he said, "That's booby." It's like he said, "Like you should just know." Yeah, that's booby. It's like like booby need to be to wake up tomorrow. I said, "What booby is?" And I think he said like thirteen at the time. I was like, "What?" He made like thirteen. So anyway, booby came to the workout tomorrow. He came, um, put on his cleats, love. Grand outside to get stretched, and somebody came to the fence. And Booby turned around and gone out of the dugout and leave. So I was like, what happened to Booby? So anyway, that stuff happened. Come to find out, Booby went away to school. Yeah. Right? And he ended up in school, they bought Lindsay. Yeah. Lindsay, correct, right? Yeah. Cool. He went to school, went to school, fast forward, graduated. Now it's Nationals. Gambama, baseball, Bahamas, baseball, nationals. Mm-hmm. Went to nationals, and mind you, at the time, I remember the time, I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be there, but I was at nationals, and I saw Booby. And at the time I saw him watching the game, he had like maybe three for three with like a home run and two doubles, and it, it looked really good. He was a big, strong dude, and I was like, bro, what you doing here? Like, like, you, you ain't got no, you ain't going to school, coach it in like that, you know, I ain't really got offers, I ain't really, uh, what? Like, what you mean, no? And literally, literally right after that, I was like, wait, we got to talk to mommy. Wherever mommy is, let's go. I'm taking you back. And a day later, two days later, or right after nationals, or when I left, Freeport, Booby left with me, and he joined us in uh, Delray. Bucky then when he was at the elevator. And he joined us and ever since that day, he was with us full time and I think Booby ended up signing a year later. With the Mets, right? Um Chris Bazard, they got a shout out to Chris Bazard. That's that's a big one for him and he's a big fan of Booby. That's who actually signed Booby um during that time. Um Chris Nas not with the Red Sox. But after Booby it was we spoke about the Devon, the Vaughn the Knowles. Keep John Moss. Zion Bannister. Zion Bannister. Um, Evan Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're getting into the younger dudes. Yeah, now, we, now we're getting into, I guess you would call it the new school. That Everett Cooper. Yeah. Leon Lewis. Diary Grant. Doc Stubbs. Doc Stubbs. Um, Stephen Adley. Stephen Adley. Had a uh, Christian Monroe. Christian was also in there. How, how y'all forgetting Christian? How y'all forgetting K. Robbie though? 
Christian man. How you forget K Robin? How you forget K Robin? Christian Robinson. Yeah, Christian Robinson. He had to go back on Christian Robinson. Christian Robinson. Thank God he's back in baseball now. Yeah, great. He's officially back. On. Great story. Back great in the story. minus. Yes, yes. Uh, excited to see what he can do. He looks great. He looks great. Uh, hopefully, you know, he's back the way he was and kind of catch up and catch up on him. I know he was still playing and kind of getting some of the bats. So hopefully, you know, it doesn't set him back too far. So I think the question what a lot of people ask all the time outside observers looking in, do you guys just know when you see a kid at 12, 13? I mean, obviously it's a process, but is there something that you look at and you say, that's one of them ones right there? Has that ever happened before, first of all? Yes. It, it has happened before. Yes. But I think we all have our... We have things we're looking at what we could say, hey, that's the one. Now, it could be different for me than it's different to Jerron or Yvonne. But I know as we get that as we get that thought in our head, because basically we want to dream, want to be able to dream on that kid. Um, so when I have that thought in my head, I immediately take a video and I send it over. <laughs> and either he confirm or he can he deny you know, um, and same thing know, yeah, I know if I know if he confirmed right away off the bat, then we got yeah, something. Do it. If he like, hey, let's see him. Maybe we got to take a, a, a deeper look or maybe I have to get more video to confirm what I'm looking at. So I got a good one, right? I well, before you go there, go ahead. some guys would send you a video, right? And it would be 5 a.m. And you'd be like, this dude sending me a video at 5 a.m. About baseball. It's emergency. It's emergency. So emergency. It, when you see those 5 a.m. videos, it's probably a dude, though. It's definitely probably a yeah. dude. So I need a... St- there had to be a time when there was somebody who y'all didn't agree on. One of y'all was saying, this is a dude. The next one saying, I ain't sure. And I need to hear a story. There had to be someone like that, and it actually played out. Well, believe it or not, we don't, we don't agree all the time. No. We probably don't agree 80% of the time. So there are plenty... Plenty stories that be like, you sure? <laughs> I do sure. Yeah. But now it, it, there's there's guys that work for, and I won't say the names, the guys that didn't work for. You're right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I mean, for me, the dudes that we agree on, we, we, we know. All right, if the dudes agree right away and it ain't no question, it ain't that there. But that's one of them uh, Sabas Walcott types. Sabas Walcott was, yeah, he... That's the next kid we got to talk about, right? But for me, it it was kids at times. I, I don't know. And they, they'd be like, no way. Like, how you figure this, right? And you look at the kid now, and it's like... He's, hey. he's that dude. Yeah. He's that dude. And it has been times where I was like, maybe... And the opposite. And it's like, no. He ain't that dude. Yeah, right. Because it's a lot that could happen in... A lot. Three, four years when y'all get them. And what people don't realize is months is huge in this person. Like months, like months. One month, two months. They say, oh, no, they 12. All them 12. They just a couple months apart. No. Right? No. That ain't how that is work. But, but so, we, so when, we, when we do have guys that we disagree on and they come into the program, it's always the sense you still have to get them better even though you might course. say they're not ready um i think we still put a hundred percent behind the kid regardless of the situation mm-hmm. um just to give them the best situation for them another thing that i think makes i elite unique is that 
we, we've been talking with the pro guys for a mm-hmm. while now, but it's so much more than that. You get guys that earn, like y'all mentioned with Tanaj, he was going to have high this school. opportunity to go to high school. There's guys that come through the program and mm-hmm. they go to college. So it's much more than just looking at things from the pro level. Talk about, um, you know, why you feel like it's so important to cast that wide net to get everybody. Well, well, when we talk about high school, you know, high school, I know back in, in our time, like back when I was in school, going to school away was like the big thing. Like, yeah, that was, that was going away to school. You were saying something, right? Like that was what you wanted to do. Um, and I guess as the pro thing came along, you know, being a professional is more, I guess, at the time. Yeah, cooler than going to high school. Yeah, it's cooler. I would say it's cooler. I mean, you get use a teenager and you get yeah, money in your pocket. Right. Like, 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 let's be honest. That is, that is, honest right, that is the correct word, Coach Abba. This year is cooler. Yeah. Right? So, and I, you know, and kids doing it in France and hanging out. So guys expect to, like, well, I want to do it too and whatever. But for me, a high school kid, uh, BJ Murray, right? BJ Murray now the, with double A. Yeah. Double A with the Chicago Cubs, Cubs organization. Right? Look at him, you know, I always use the example of him. He went to high school and, and and I use him because he's more recent, but Anton Richardson went to high school as well. Right? But he he is right where his peers is as well that signed at sixteen. So Yeah. So he not, he went three three years at FAU, got right. drafted and now right. Quickly in double A. Right. And, you know, BJ Murray, they seem to be pushing him. They, they seem to like him over there, right? So you never know. I expect him to probably probably get to the big leagues uh, pretty soon, to be honest. Maybe ne- next year you could probably see him up there or when he has to come pretty soon. Um, so with the school thing, I, I, I like when a kid could go to school because for one day becoming more exposed to the world, right, and not just being in Nassau. And you get an opportunity to network now with so many more people um, where it isn't just focus on baseball, right? Like, you have a little bit more you could tap into your friends who do different things and you kind of really see if this is what you want to do as far as baseball. Um, and you get a chance, not only that, that's from that aspect, from the baseball side, you get a longer time to develop now, right? You get more time to develop, um, more time to get stronger, faster, Get more at bats. Um, Abba mentioned earlier about not having a lot of bats here and quality at bats. So now you could do that. And now you have another chance in 12th grade to be drafted. Right? So going to high school is more prolonging your baseball career if you want to be a professional. That's the way I look at it. Right? Uh, you're just giving them more chances to become a pro because if you just stay in the Bahamas, right? You that ain't going to just happen. You have a point in time where you could be a pro at 16 or 17 and then after that your chances just kind of like Decrease, decrease, decrease. Not that it can't happen, but continue your education. So you get an education at the same time. You're getting bigger, faster, stronger. You're developing more. You're playing more games. Uh, you're seeing, you're being exposed to the world. Um, and and you're getting better. So now you have an opportunity, 10, 11, 12, two to three years in high school, leaving the Bahamas. Um, you're getting better. So now you have an opportunity to be drafted. If that don't happen, and you go on to college. Right. Does Ailey go out and recruit or does the talent find its way to you? Because the way I'm thinking is more people are seeing these signings mm-hmm. and Jazz is just taking things to another level. And when you see that this is a program that people have come through, does which way does that work? And what is the process like to becoming full time into the program? Ailey recruit you. We get you. 
if we, we come and get you, we, we probably feel that you have a chance to play at the next level. I, whatever next level that is, uh, college, but we feel that you could play at the next level, professionally, college league, or college. Um, we do help everybody. We help anyone in any way we can. Um, but we're realistic with, with what it is. And this is a full staff. It's bigger than just the three of you sitting oh, yeah. in this room right here. Um, I mean, we talk about Miss Major on the educational side, mm-hmm. but even on the baseball side, this is a full staff, not a one-man operation, because, mm-hmm. I mean, it can't be to mm-hmm. operate at the level that you guys are. Tell us about the staff. Um, staff, we have Pedro Dean, uh, Stephen Curtis Jr. Sorry, Pedro Dean Jr., Stephen Curtis Jr. Um, and these are guys that have been in the baseball arena, played um, college baseball, to some some degree of baseball and an eco eco notes he's from Grand Bahama. Um I'm missing anybody. And Nico Nose is actually a scout for a few years before he came yes. to the I League full time. Yeah. Jackson State alum. I think he was Jackson teammate State with, 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 with yeah, Steve Curtis. Yeah. yeah he was a scout. He, he used to work for the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind we kind of alluded to it in the stories about Tanaj and some of the other guys, but the the role that you guys play is so much more than just baseball, particularly mm-hmm. with a lot of these kids that that come from the family islands. Mm-hmm. What what do you see your roles at it, as in their upbringing, not just as players, but you kind of have to groom these guys to become men mm-hmm. at a very early age. Yeah, so we're, we're baseball coaches to start. And I think as we get more in depth into the program and we start to go away, we turn into mom, dad, teacher, pretty much everything, everything um, that that kid might need um, because we're, we're, in, we're in spaces with them alone for a long period of time. Um, I think that's where you really get to know the kid and he starts to open up and share with you some things that are going on personally in his life and some things that are going on in school and some things that are going on on the field. And what we have to remember, when you're in this program full-time and stuff is not happening not happening for you the right time, you think that it should happen, um, the kids kind of get depressed. So we, we have to keep that in mind where we have to play mom and dad, and sometimes we got to be a little harder with them, and sometimes we got to be a little softer with them. And I think they... The guys really gravitate towards us because I think that we do that. So add to that list of stuff. It's kind of like therapists in there too. Yeah. <laughs> Guidance counselors, I everything mean, all this, in one. To this day, I mean, and it's ongoing. Like you would think a kid leave the program and, oh, he's, no, it's like it's ongoing because I think once they develop that trust and that connection, they know what they could call Albert and talk about, you know, what they probably can't talk to nobody else about. They know when they could call me and talk about or say to me and, you know, no judgment, no, you know, whatever it is, a girlfriend, a problem on the field, you know, um, they might feel like, hey, they don't, you know, they can understand what I go into, right? Um, because with the history and how we've spent so much time together, what I was talking about and some of the things is, I mean, you know, we try to teach them how to be good young men. And to make good decisions and responsible decisions. Um, as simple as, hey, when we away, you know, you might be at the apartment and you have to you have to clean, right? You have to learn to clean. Coach, I never cleaned this book, but hey, we can learn today. <laughs> right? We can learn today. We can have a rotation. You know, you might have to cook. Coach, I never cook. You do 
right? YouTube, call mommy, let's figure out how we can cook. Because if you won't be a pro at 16, you then you're going to be by yourself. You have to figure out how to do these things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we ain't going to just put you out there to be a pro when you can't clean, but you have to keep your space clean. Right? Or now you're in high A or double A and you have an apartment, but you can't cook. So that means you do is all to Uber Eats every night. Blowing all your money. Right. right. Don't even a chance, you know. So it's different things we teach them, you know. Washing the clothes, just taking responsibility, waking up in the morning on your own. Like when Coach Albert say bus leaving five thirty, like bus leaving five thirty. You might leave five twenty nine. Right? Like bus leaving five thirty. So you have to and Coach Albert ain't waking you up, right? Coach Sharon ain't waking you up. Five twenty eight or five twenty five, coach all you can see is Coach Sharon and Coach Albert walking out the door. And if you weren't outside already or what you Leave so now you're learning how to wake yourself up and personal be a responsibility. Personal responsibility. Accountability. I think the the life after the program thing is interesting because one of the things that I always notice is the guys they come back, mm-hmm. like they come back, they still mm-hmm. come to Pinewood, they still work out no matter mm-hmm. where they at in their yeah, careers, they're always coming back there. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone like Avard passed through the program, got his education, using that degree now to work to benefit the, the program. program. So it's it's a continuous ongoing thing no matter which route which route you choose. Yes. What's the next, and I want this from each one of you, the the next step where you see iElite going, whether it's a short-term goal or a long-term goal, what's the future of this program? We, we can't give you all the secrets. You, you got to save some for a surprise. You give me one. All right. One secret. I can, I can let Jerome give you one secret. <laughs> I, knew, I, I knew that was I, coming. I was the one who would share everything. Fair enough. One secret. Doesn't even have to be specific or anything that's in the plans in the pipeline right now. Let's say we got we got a magic wand. Anything you wish for could happen. Where do you want to see I Elite going? Oh, hey, one thing I could say is we could always be able to practice. Yeah. Uh, secret though. You say anything you could wish for. Let's, oh, let's, anything I could wish right, for. Yeah. Let's wish that we could have a um a facility to work out in yeah. indoors. I would wish that. I let's wish we that. could do that. So okay, not a secret. Speak, speak it on us. Anybody out there listening? Speak, speak yeah. it on us. Anybody out there listening? All the so just based on their reactions from that just now, I think um we could it's safe to say that all the future initiatives are in secret, but y'all are going to hear about it because if I know it's one thing, but this group they are going to continuously be working on some stuff. I want to shift gears for a moment to. <laughs> Some stuff that may be controversial, depends on what we're saying, but I want to talk. I cannot have any baseball people in the studio without asking them questions about Bahamas baseball. Because the more I learn about this stuff, the more I see how convoluted this whole thing has been for decades now, right? I want to ask you guys, what do you think are the biggest issues facing the development of Bahamian baseball right now? Because... Everyone who I ask this question to, they don't think we are where we should be, despite the success that we've been having in this generation. But what do we think are some of the issues facing it? Question. <laughs> yeah. That's academy, is academy behaving baseball? I think, and I'll go back to something that, that you said about when people see Jazz out there, they just see mm-hmm. Nassau, Bahamas. Right. So I will say yes. Anything that or anyone that is a product of 
uh, the Bahamas, that's Bahamian baseball. Okay. So e- e- even the guys that represent GB. <laughs> spoken, spoken <laughs> as spoken as the truth. GB baseball coach, but yes, especially the guys that represent GB baseball because they have an opportunity. To, well, I don't want to tell you all this, but that's the only way they can get to do what they Listen. do at that level. You want to go first? Uh, y- yeah. So we got as I much think, time as y'all need. I think. I think when we think about Bahamas baseball as a whole. Um, you say development of Bahamas baseball. Yeah. Or Bahamas baseball in general. In general. In general just Bahamas well, baseball. Well, when you think about Bahamas baseball, you have, a, you have to have the development aspect of it. If you mm-hmm. don't have the development aspect of it, it's kind of hard to keep it afloat. It dies out, and then you don't have a major leaguer for 30 years. I like think that part of it is kind of shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's your thoughts on it, but we, okay. we, need, to put it, we need to put it together. Okay. And I think you as the open National League manager yes. that you need to get it going now if 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 they gave me the manager role that's what I would have done this is what this is what we're here for this is exactly what we're here for but no I mean no seriously though because I think this is what happens with a lot of behaving people right I think we see success at, at the mountaintop again we gotta use jazz I think they mm-hmm. will see that mm-hmm. they will see do it sign every year not knowing like how it happened how or it what happened, goes into that. And they will think, well, we're doing fine because these boys just become the bros right? Yeah. So I think our success is kind of, it kind of clouds what is really happening and how lacking we are in general. Agreed. You know what's so crazy? We, we was at a showcase at Blue Hill a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And a lady was passing. <laughs> and she said, where are these guys? Why they don't play on the national team? Mm-hmm. That to do is losing all the time. Mm-hmm. She, she was talking about softball. Oh, okay. Well, I guess they losing too. She, was, she, wasn't, she wasn't even mentioning baseball. No, she was thinking softball. She's like, y'all could hit good. Right, because yeah. that's what they play in. Mm-hmm. So she's thinking, how we could it's use them thing. to play softball? Yeah, I was still and I was like, oh, wow. That's interesting. But, but again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an open manager. manager. I mean, you could be on staff. We got to, I want to stop you. We got to talk to you. I want to stop. Coach. I, I used to bench coach, but the bench coach don't have no say. Yeah. If the manager, I mean, the bench coach is being written to the manager. No, the bench coach yeah, is the manager. He, he, get, he, he suggests. Right. And he make a decision. Fair enough. He, so he talks to I have, them. I have, I have, come on. I have, I have given him all the necessary stuff he needs to make the good decisions. Fair enough. He didn't take, he didn't take him upstairs. Fair enough. <laughs> Talking about upstairs. Yes, we got we right. gotta talk about upstairs. Okay. Y'all ain't gotta dance around listen, it. Like we could just listen, be a hundred. I, I tell you, I development in the Bahamas for me is like not good. It's shit. Excuse my French. And I I just say that and that's why I ask if academies is the part of it. Because when I when I think about Bahamas baseball and what we can do in the bar, the reason why an academy the reason why academies are about is because the level of play just wasn't there. It's not enough. Like not I, enough. So I, I had this argument right. with someone uh, a week or two ago where they was talking about uh, my son playing in two different leagues. I said, well, right. if, you, if y'all thought the leagues were enough, then academies would, would never, never exist. exist. In Cuba, they don't have academies. They have a national program, right? They have national programs in these certain countries, right? But we don't know what we want to do. Like, we want to... We wanna, like you say, we see Jazz and we have to use Jazz because he's up there. 
but we don't know what Jazz went through, like to get where he is and how we got there and how important development is, right? I with Jazz going away, that might have been the best thing for him at the time, right? We got, but and coming right back in time, and and getting some more from us before he went on to play. But his journey wasn't as long as a kid who was eleven. But when you look at these kids who are 11, 12, and coming into the program, and now you're looking at them in double A, you have to figure, you have to ask yourself, like, are we are we doing all we could do to help the mass or the majority of the kids? No, we're not. Like, no. Like, we ain't I was going to answer that for you, but no. We're, we're not even we're close, close, right? So I don't know, for me, for me, Ronaldo and everybody, like, for me, I try, I try every day to figure out what is the problem? Like, why are we making this such a big or hard situation to fix? As far as the baseball development, for me, it's simple. You gather the people, you get the kids, the kids are there to play, you get the coaches, you start rolling ground ball. Like, you start rolling the ground ball, throwing the ball, hitting the ball. That's how you start development. I don't, I, to me, so when I, I just get upset with like when random conversations with people and oh, we need to do this and we need, I'm like, let's just start throwing the baseball. But what, what if you start night league? But night league for what? I don't know, you could get the ball from like when you was playing, you played night league. Yeah, everyone do night league, but the, the, the 8 year old or the 10 year old ain't playing in night league. But the 14 year old might. 14 year old, if he's good enough, should play in night league. Right or some type of competitive league. It don't even have to be a night league. We're living in the night. I but, guess we call it night league. No, but I I think when we think about night league, you gotta have a base, place to play for that. Bro. Yeah, you can play the blue. You, you, you all do fuck. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. Let me let me finish you, now. You your training. You got to get the game schedule for it. The but, game schedule. But the the good thing about night league when you were playing at fourteen, it was open. It made you a better player. Yes. Playing against all the guys. Yes. Maybe we should do that, but what about the eight year old? Well, I can speak from ex- I can speak from experience on this. Um, if you playing in local leagues, they do not always want you playing against older guys for whatever no. reason. That no. is a major problem for people. No, they would. They don't want you playing even at four years old. They don't want you playing at five. If we being real, like speaking from experience, from experience, too young. It's crazy that that's happened before. Right? It's happened. So clearly baseball still has divisions and that is the pretty much the biggest hindrance to that's where the development should be. Yes. The biggest in- yes, like yes. I and I and well, I know that's 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 their league guidelines. Maybe you should start a league. Maybe. That sounds like a good idea. Somebody speak it on us. Sound like a good idea. What? That might not be the best guidelines for the best development of the Bahamas and the kids, right? Because if we're talking development and we're talking about that 14 year old being able to play in the night league and compete without getting hurt and everything else, they need proper development. Yeah, I think I think when we speak in night league and we, when we do speak night league, we speak in back. That had been twenty years ago, and it wasn't this much kids playing, so it was yeah. it, was, it wasn't yeah. this much and, kids playing. And I think the core older guys would be better than the core older guys now. Yes, I I could agree with you on that, right? And and you know what? Everyone can have different opinions on because what people don't know is two sides of baseball. The 
we go back in my time, and when I mean my time, when I was between the ages of 11 and maybe 20, 22, right? There's two sides. It's like you had the Jimwood side and all the boys, and then you had like our side, which was more like Freedom Farm and that kind of stuff. So for me, like I, I always saw a division from back then, right? And guys who I wanted to play with never had an opportunity to play with. Guys would invite you out to play and you just couldn't play for whatever reason. You being a kid, right? Thinking back on it, like, it was always a division. It didn't, thinking if, if I was a grown, if I was an adult in that time with my adult mind and thinking, I probably, I might not have been where I was because I would have been, this don't make no sense. Like, why we can't, like, why are we doing this? So for me, something is just simple. Like, but, but you have, you have, like you said, you have two guys with two different visions. They don't have the they don't have the line up together and they don't have to agree. Right. But I think for the betterment of for uh, the the betterment of the Bahamas, mm-hmm. they should have played each other. Compromise has to happen at some point. Yes. No, but much what but even what I could understand or, you or not get together I, at one point. For instance, I could for us, we have an academy versus Max D. Yeah. If we have a national team Right? And he have the better players and we have the better players. We would play together. Right? Yes. But back we then... We saw that happen last year. We saw that happen Beirut, 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 Yeah. Right? Even the national team that I manage, like we had guys from everywhere. So to me, if they did that back then, we wouldn't have been this problem today. Or we would have been further ahead. Because he had guys, they had the sanctioning on baseball. He was on this side. We had no sanction. All we could do is go to the USA. They would have national team practice or national team to make. Like the same national team that we just had, but we never played on it. So we never had the best players from the two sides. So I hear all of that, right? And what it sounds like to me is the way for things to change or the way for to not repeat those same mistakes or the way to continue this further development is you have to have a new generation of leadership at the top. So it was the same way you guys mm-hmm. came from playing pro mm-hmm. or playing in the States and you brought the academy model here. Mm-hmm. You need a new generation of leadership to see where the business of baseball is going next. Def, I agree with that 100%. I, I you know, and, and there's nothing against nobody, right? There's nothing against no one out there who in leadership, Right. I love everybody to death, but as a as as a man, I think you're, you're great people, great people. But I just feel that baseball have to go in a different direction. Yes, if we could just change everybody, start over, do this thing again. Who won't get in? Let's get in and let's like have a proper election. Like, not you have to be in this this executive to be the president or to be in hand. No. Hey, if you want to run for the United States as the president, I mean the United, the president of the United States of America, anyone could do that. Kevin Sands, twenty twenty three. I mean, he's he sound like a president, right? No, 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 no. I'm I'm just saying because I mean, for me, for me, I wouldn't say like to Jerron to be the president, but I think it need because the minute the minute everyone could feel some type of way, right, about about it. All we need is somebody in there. But there's no getting around that part. Yeah. <laughs> we just need somebody in there who will actually take ideas and thoughts and 
from people who actually do baseball every day. You know, I go to baseball every single day. From my wake up in the morning to when I go sleep in the night, baseball. I don't know how much people could say that. I know maybe two or three people the most that could say that. Sound like we starting the campaign, guys. This is 10YS. This is Ailey. I- <laughs> Why you like y'all? Yeah.